This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Let's do the show, folks. Come, come, come. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. <laughs> the place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. <laughs> good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is the Star Wars Report podcast, episode 432. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. So glad to have you. Welcome back, guys. It's um, We've had a couple weeks celebrating uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, and it's uh, most recent Revenge of the... Hashtag Revenge of the Fifth uh, watch <laughs> party that we had... Um, but it's time. It's time to get back. We got a lot of news, a lot of Mandalorian stuff. But it is also, it is also Star Wars month. I saw, um, actually, it, it's from a work group chat, not even from the the Star Wars internets. Uh, I saw like people were posting like hashtag May, May the Fourth be with you, May the Fourth memes, Revenge of the Fifth memes, and then someone just posted uh, a meme that was like May the Fourth, Revenge of the Fifth, scratched both of those out and just said this is the May. Uh, at which point I thought, you know, <laughs> you can't argue that. That's, you know what, they won. They won. They won the, the Star Wars memes. Um, so we are talking uh, Star Wars anniversaries uh, this year. This year, Empire Strikes Back, turning the big 4-0. And with me to talk all things Empire is the host of Coffee with Kenobi, Mr. Dan Zare. How's it going, Dan? What's up, brother? Good to be back on the show. Now I'm talking on the podcast to a married man. You wow. are. Yes, you are. Yes, sir. I, it somehow happened. I actually... <laughs> it was looking sketchy there for a little bit. Um, <laughs> I say. I like to think, though... our best placed. Our was, I, I kind of like to think, though, our my, mine and my beautiful wife, Savannah, our, our hashtag COVID wedding uh, was much like Han and Leia would have gotten married. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I love it in the midst of like very of great adversity. Um, you know, I, I, I it was a good time, but thanks, man. I appreciate it. I remember it uh, for at um, San Diego Comic Con a couple years ago, and you and I are hanging out a lot. And I remember talking to you, and I swear to you, I never told you this, but I remember leaving San Diego thinking Riley's going to get married pretty soon. I just had a feeling you were ready. <laughs> look at that. Yeah, look at you. You were right. You are right. Uh, I no, was. Couldn't have a nicer guy. Yeah. No, I, I laugh because um, me, me and there's a couple in our in my Star Wars nerd friend group that, including myself, that just never got married. And now there's one or two others that are like dangerously close. And I think it's like a conspiracy of some kind. Um, who knows? Who knows? That'll be a conversation for a later day. Hey, let me also bring in. Uh, he's here for the show. Uh, good friend of mine and of the Star Wars Report program, host of my Star Wars story. It's Mr. Scott Riefen. Hey, tell your sister, not you were right, but that I already have a Space Force t-shirt for when she joins. What? I'm ready to go. I'm Fun. supporting. Well, let me uh, let me provide the Bethany update. Of course, one-time co-host here at okay. the Star Wars Report, um, which she is due to be on the show again. I was just talking to her the other day. Like, we'll do a little reunion show um, in the near future. But she is in that process of uh, applying and being in an acceptance in the United States Space Force. It's a true story. Um, 
Wow. Excellent. I still can't believe this is a thing. That A, that there's a Space Force, and B, that there's a Steve Carell Netflix series about the Space Force. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about any of that. We're, not, we're here. Or t-shirts. I have a t-shirt. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but we are Man, actually, let's on. talk some, uh, come on, talk about Star Wars. Uh, Empire Strikes Back turning 40. <laughs> now, uh, Dan, I, I, I got you on. I read, um, you have a new piece up at uh, uh, StarWars.com. You've had the series Teaching with Star Wars, because you are a, a servant of the people and teacher. Uh, and so you, you have the uh, a segment on the wisdom of do or do not. And I think when we're talking Empire Strikes Back and, and, and the 40th anniversary, that is the quote from from the movie. Walk, walk me through a little bit about why you kind of picked that topic and, and maybe a little bit about how what that means for you in the context of, of Empire turning, gosh, 40. It seems like last year that, that A New Hope was turning 40. That's kind of crazy. It's pretty wild. Oh yeah. Well, th- well, thank you for the question. It basically, uh, oh, I don't know. Around when this started, Lucasfilm reached out and said, "Hey, we're we're starting a teaching with Star Wars column, and we think you're the guy to do it." So, of course, the answer to that is always yes. And so every week, I get turn in proposals of different topics I think that might be appropriate, because uh, above all else, Star Wars is a mythology, right? And a good, strong, yeah. solid mythology is able to teach us lessons about our culture, about our past, about our future, about what we value as people. And Star Wars is such a great ambassador for that. So the week before, I had done one on Failure of the Greatest Teacher, that is, from mm. The Last Jedi. Yeah. And when I was writing that, I was thinking about, do or not, there's no trial. It's very, very rich. And then with, the course, the 40th anniversary, I thought, let's go there. So I, I suggested that. They loved it. And uh, I, I also think... Because I teach Star Wars in my mythology class. It's one of the things I teach. And routinely when do or do not, there is no try comes up, it gets misinterpreted, which mm. I find interesting. And ultimately what a majority, or some of my students think is, well, why is he telling them not to try? Aren't you supposed to try and never give up? And so then it's a great time to have a conversation. And I think the piece sort of talks about that too. Basically, when Luke says, all right, I'll give it a try, based on his body language, his posture, mm. The inflection of his voice, his overall demeanor, it's very clear that he's not going to try. He's not going to give his all. He's not going to give his best. And Yoda is saying, do or do not, there is no try. If you're just not going to give your best, you're not going to get your best out of it. And I have found, not only am I a teacher, but I'm also a parent. And whether I'm teaching remote learning or I'm working with my own children, I have seen very interesting frustrations with them as far as if they're frustrated with something, it's easier not to try. It's easier to give up because then you don't have to accept the fact that you might not be good at something. And people are scared to fail. People are scared not to be great at something. In fact, we talked about that at dinner tonight. Yeah. And ultimately what it comes down to is, no, you don't have time for that. You've got to give your best. And that is when you can get maximum results. And that is really what Yoda is trying to get Luke to do and to see. Hmm. I, and it is it is one of those things that it is easy to misinterpret because it it sounds sort of it's like only a Sith deals in absolutes. It kind of that George mm-hmm. Lucas dialogue it, it, on surface level, if you accept it as an absolute statement, it's it is easy to to misinterpret. But I think it represents how Star Wars became. I don't know, maybe much more spiritual. Scott, what? Uh, listen, you're of the generation that that saw uh, Empire in theaters. I kind of, after Dan did all that, I kind of feel like the Admiral Stockdale of this episode now. You know, <laughs> who am I and why am I here? Uh, that was amazing. Um, Thank you. Very kind. 
All right, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> you, Dan, you made him speechless, which is very hard to do with Scott. Yeah, Ryan. no, that is very, yeah. No, I just, because <laughs> I, I wanted you to talk maybe about the contrast of, of Star Wars. Empire, I think one way that it's often a favorite film amongst fans, but I think one mm-hmm. thing that we don't really realize or we don't think about today is is, is Star Wars is this huge expanded universe of of themes and, and, and elements, whereas the original film very much focused on the the hero's journey and the and pop sci-fi and flash Gordon and all those elements that george loved but i feel like empire really expanded the universe pun intended um of star wars in, in a way that it's hard to appreciate today just because of how how you know gigantic it is as part of our culture do you do you remember kind of getting a sense of like oh wow this is not this is not this is a franchise this is a mythology when you first saw it well i i, I mean i was i was nine I didn't have a sense of this is a mythology, but what I I had a sense of is this isn't going anywhere, and this is, you know, I mean, I mean, when I walked out of the theater in 1977, July of 1977, because I live in a small market, um, there was a sense that this is going to be a thing that I'm always going to love, and when this came around, when Empire came around, it became a sense of this is a story that is going to continue to unfold for a very long time. Uh, and I feel like, again, we're, we were six and then nine, and I felt like it kind of was growing with us. It was kind of maturing with us as it went on. Um, so I, everything was welcome at that point. Everything was, was new, was fresh, was uh, there's more to it. There are questions asked uh, by the ending, and I remember that being kind of a big gag. Was you know I paid three dollars to go see this movie, and it didn't have an ending. <laughs> um, and and we were okay with that because we got to spend the next three years sitting on the playground talking about what the heck was going to happen next. Yeah. And you know, and 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 of course, the big psychological question of was Darth Vader telling the truth mm-hmm. at the end of that film? Yeah, which what? was which was an issue we 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 had on the playground. It was a fight that we had. Absolutely. Yes, Dan. Do you remember uh, first time you watched it? Like what you um, what your takeaway was from that from that ending? Because did George Lucas famously didn't he like consult with you know ch- child psychologist on like how would this be interpreted? Mm-hmm. He certainly did. I remember it very well because I had in in a in a very uh, unusual turn of events for me. I, I started to read the novel before I saw the movie, which <laughs> now I would never dream about doing, and. I saw it, and I remember just being completely blown away. And then in the moment when Vader says, no, I am your father, I remember thinking very calmly, well, that's not true. He's a liar. He's yes. a bad guy. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. He's a bad guy. He's, he, he probably smokes. You know, he, he's, <laughs> That's why he's got that lung yeah. condition. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, you're nine. This is what you think. Exactly. I, I was the same way. C-3PO did do it's, those, like, uh, PSAs, didn't he? <laughs> yes, he did. R2 was smoking. Well, then you're going to remember this. Remember the Empire Strikes Back storybook? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember thinking for a couple of years, well, it's just not true. And I didn't really give it a lot of credence. And then a friend of mine came over and he said, no, you got to look at this. So he opens up my book and he turns to the page and it says in all caps, I am your father. And he says, why would they have it in bold if it wasn't true? And then I remember thinking, <laughs> well, okay. And now I teach English and would have probably emphasized something like that, which is pretty funny. But here's just something really quick if you'll indulge me. Yeah, for yeah. About a year and a half ago, my son is six now, but I showed him The Empire Strikes Back for the first time. And I and I avoided like the plague. I don't want him to know about the I didn't want him to know about Vader being Luke's father. Mm. I didn't want him to know about Santa Claus, right? Those are the two secrets you gotta keep. 
Mm-hmm. So when I watched it without any kind of pre anything, he looked to me and he goes, "That's not true, Daddy." He had the exact <laughs> same reaction. I was so proud. It was just pretty crazy. Uh, see, I had I had a I had a worse time with it because uh, some guy at work, when my son was at work with an Anakin action figure, and some guy at work oh, goes, no. "Oh, Anakin!" He's yes, it's Anakin. He's oh, you know, he's Darth Vader. I was like, "Great, thanks." Man, that's <laughs> he's ruined the next four years for me. Thanks my a gosh. bunch. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I think um, my my appreciation for Empire has expanded. I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I'm going to reference it again. Uh, my my recent reading of of Secret History of Star Wars has expanded my appreciation for George Lucas's labor of love, and and it was a labor. His um, draft after draft after draft, writing and rewriting, getting Lee Brackett's script, not being happy with it, mm-hmm. and and his sort of aha moment. Uh, workshopping, workshopping of combining what he then had as sort of the the Luke father figure in the script that that was vaguely referenced in A New Hope, and combining that with the idea of uh, Darth Vader, and realizing ah, this this is what's going to tie it all together. And and I I actually appreciate the fact that I know in in in, in the years since George Lucas has sometimes uh, in interviews maybe muddled or confused the timeline, but like the way the book kind of is a record of it reads kind of like an investigation and and I don't I don't interpret it yeah. that way to me it just shows th- that it was just this labor of trying to really get the essence of what Star Wars would be about beyond that first lightning in a bottle movie and 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 that's what empire became because honestly the the Luke uh, Luke I am your father or actually I said no I am your father I should get it right get it right rightly but that <laughs> moment um is what sets up the entire arc for Return of the Jedi and the redemption, yeah. and, which is to me really what Star Wars is all about. Like uh, it, I remember Dan when we first talked, um, and I was uh, very first episode of Coffee uh, with Kenobi. I was ever on. I'll never forget. I was on a cell phone on a European SIM card in Spain. That's right. Traveling with my sister Bethy was like the week after Celebration, and uh, mm-hmm. I just you asked me, hey. So what is Star Wars to you? And I never, honestly, I'd never been asked that question. And I, had to, I, I had to think about it for a split second, but honestly, not long. It, 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 I immediately thought about um, Return of the Jedi and the uh, son redeeming his father. And, and that's, that moment is set up in Empire, that family drama, I guess. You had a beautiful spiritual answer. I remember that very well. Yeah, so I didn't realize Dan was the one to set you off on that because you wrestled with that for a long time. I mean, you went around and started asking other people. Yeah, no, well, that, it, that became a thing with you for a long time. Yeah, because to me, it, it's it, it's sort of an archaeological dig as a fan mm-hmm. because I became interested in Star Wars because of freaking revenge of the sith and me and my buddies uh reenacting grievous versus obi-wan and the freaking cool uh clone turbo tank and how much i wanted that lego set like that's the birth of my fandom honestly like that's where mm-hmm. it, but it, it well, so my right. sort of journey in, into star wars that was the starting point but that is i mean that's kind of the way it is for all of us i mean who, who came to it when we were younger mm-hmm. i mean yeah. that really is it i mean it was that that massive canvas of imagination showing you things that you didn't think you'd ever actually be able to see. That's a, that's a lot of what it is and what it was. Even in 1977, that's what it was. Uh, you know, it's funny. Dan mentioned 
having read them started on the novel before the thing the night before our debut here which took place in early june mm. um on a wednesday morning the day after school got out and uh um uh, I went to the bookstore that I always went to, and the Marvel Super Special was there. And, of course, you know, I didn't have a buck fifty, which was the cover price on this thing. So I bagged and bagged and bagged, and, of course, my parents bought it. And I sat and read that thing the night before, which is why I'm kind of immune to spoilers these days. Because <laughs> I read The Empire Strikes Back the night before, and it did not hinder my enjoyment of the film the next day. The only thing is, because I guess because of comic code, when uh, I think the phrase they use is he slashes Luke's sword arm, and you see the lightsaber flying off, but you don't see the hand. Mm, yeah. So nine-year-old me, knowing that, oh, yeah, he's about to slash his sword arm, here it comes, and then the hand gets lopped off, and it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I actually jumped out of my seat a little bit on that part. But, uh, you know, when we're kids, I mean, when we're kids, there's something about it that hooks us on the superficial level, but but for the hooks to sink in and stay, there has to be some meat on the bone. Yeah. I, I think it's fair to say that um, maybe more than the majority of the Star Wars films, this is a legitimate, a very intense character piece, mm. more than maybe any of the films. I mean, I think you could argue for Revenge of the Sith, it's certainly character-driven, but Empire really depends on building these characters and making them more than one-dimensional and giving them some layers, giving them some depth, giving them some real conflict. And I don't think it's, you could possibly understate the impact, and I'm sure Scott will back me up on this, of the ending of this film and the fact that it ends on a cliffhanger and the bad guy wins. And yeah. maybe the best example for a modern audience is Infinity War. When that was yep. over, I remember being absolutely speechless. But here's the big difference. Infinity War, you found out in about 11 months, which is still a long time. But for The Empire Strikes Back, you had to wait three years. Three years. And yeah. no and, social media. And any and speculation wait, was in Starlog or something like or, that. Or, or Star Blaster. Yes. You know, one of those things where, where I learned that the what was going to happen to Revenge of the Jedi was that uh, Yoda was going to die and his hatchling in orbit, who was a six-foot-tall <laughs> winged purple thing named Adoy, uh, was going to come out and lead the rebellion to a planet of carbon-frozen rebel prisoners, free Solo and the rest of the soldiers, and, and beat the Empire. Obviously, that didn't wow, quite work out. That I mean, <laughs> but, I'd, I'd watch it still, though. But. That's the Snyder Cut. Yeah. <laughs> the Snyder Cut. <laughs> That's so true. That is so but, true. But, yeah. No, but, uh, you know, the other thing is, though, when you come to Return of the Jedi... You get to, as I mentioned earlier, we, we had this big cliffhanger Dan was talking about. Not only did we have to wait three years, as Dan said, but we had to wait three kid years. I mean, mm, yeah. you know, 27 to 30 is not a big deal, but 9 to 12 is an eternity. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and and it, it was honestly a little bit of a surprise when Return of the Jedi wrapped everything up with a bow. Because I really thought we were going to keep going with this thing for a long, long time. Now, obviously, eventually, it did get restarted and keep going again. But uh, I, I really thought we were going to have another cliffhanger at the end of Return of the Jedi. I mean, I was looking forward to that becoming kind of the the uh, the way it, it operated from now on. Yeah, true Flash Gordon serial. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Dro dropping it. That's, dude, um, man, we, we could talk about this, the, the whole podcast. Uh, we could honestly go for hours about Empire. But I think um, for the purpose of the segment dan i know you got a, a heart out here in a minute so i, I want to toss it to you um just to kind of maybe talk about um your favorite moment or favorite scene from the film like the first one that jumps to your mind that you like you never fast forward through if you're a 
going back and rewatching the movie? Sure. Well, first of all, a blasphemy to even fast forward a second. <laughs> so well said, sir. Well said. <laughs> but there are two things that stand out to me. I mean, the whole thing is just a gorgeously uh, filmed film. But the carbon free sequence, the mm. drama of that, I think, in the lighting and uh, the character depth in that those small exchanges of dialogue is tremendous. And I highly recommend J.W. Rensler's The Making of the Empire Strikes Back. Where they actually go beat by beat with how they came up with the the nuance of that scene between Kirshner and Ford. Kirshner was wearing a cassette recorder, kids, and he was recording the dialogue between himself and Ford. How they orchestrated that scene all the way through the "I love you, I know" stuff. Jeez, great, really fantastic. But uh, the peak for me, the pinnacle, is when Vader faces Luke for the first time, and mm. we're just pretend like Star the end of Star Wars number one of the new Marvel comics didn't exist canonically. And he says, the Force is with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. And then Luke calmly walks up the stairs, facing this this holy terror of half-man, half-machine. And there's no music, no lightsabers, and there's just a silhouette of them looking at each other. Mm. Uh, what the boy could possibly turn into. And it's absolutely, I mean, I have goosebumps just talking about it, because it's just mm. such a spectacular visual scene. Dude. I, I I couldn't I couldn't say it better. Well well said, sir. Uh, tell Dan tell everybody where they can find you and and more amazing Star Wars insights like you just delivered here, because um, I know you're all over the place on the internet. So tell people where they can find you. Yeah, well, thanks, brother. I appreciate you having me on. Always love being on the Star Wars Report. And Scott, awesome to talk to you, dude. Absolutely, likewise, Dan. So you can find me each and every week on Coffee with Kenobi, the anywhere you find your podcast. Every Monday night at eight o'clock p.m., we have our Facebook Live segment. Actually, this week we gave our favorite The Empire Strikes Back memories, which was fun. If you are starting your own podcast or blog or want to help build your brand, you can go to find me on danzmedia.com. I am also a official blogger for StarWars.com. I have a weekly column called Teaching with Star Wars. And then in October, I'm excited to share it. Well, it's not exactly news now, but it's still exciting to me. Uh, I have a book coming out, the Star Wars book, written by myself, Pablo Hidalgo, and Cole Horton, which is full of curated essays it's really going to get you deep down into the weeds of Star oh, Wars. Oh, nice. Congrats, wow. man. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, thank you. Dan, we will be in touch, man. Sounds good. Right. Hey, thanks again, guys. Yeah, take care, buddy. Be a stranger. Uh, Mr. Riefen, uh, I keep. Yeah. I'm sorry I keep setting him up. It's, it's, it's softballs for Dan. Like that, That's how he thinks about Star Wars. That's why I love having him on. But I keep like, and, and Scott, what do you think? <laughs> no, what do you think? No, it's no. Hey, look, the, the guy, the guy had a lot of great things to say. I don't mind sitting back and letting the guy hold. Although, I mean, we do have to make one correction here. Oh, uh oh. Uh, no, I am your father is actually in italics and not in all caps in the storybook. Uh oh, ita- oh my. Yeah. Are you are you fact checking him live on the show? <laughs> yeah. Italicized. Well, I mean, you cap- got to remember, all this stuff is within reach. So. I- <laughs> I have seen the room you're recording in, so I know that you're not lying. Um, although, no. to be fair, the, the the story has the exact same meaning. But anyway, yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll uh, wrap up the segment. Uh, any uh, personal favorites for you for Empire? Looking back at it, you know, there was a question that was being broached earlier this week, and I think it's a neat little thought experiment. Hmm. Uh, and that is when they go into the dining room. Okay. And the door closes. Yeah, Thanksgiving. What happens next? <laughs> well, according to Robot Chicken, a really awkward dinner conversation. <laughs> I think I think they do have dinner. Yeah? I, I mean think, the tape I think Vader sits and lets them hang 
Mm. I, what else and are you going to do? them go through dinner. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you just take some cap. All right, let's go. Let's do this. I think I think he closes the door and they sit and he might even be a tad pleasant knowing that he's about to just lay in yeah. to him. It would be a shame to let it go to waste. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I got to thinking about it and I thought, you know, that's. I'll bet. I mean, Vader would be that kind of guy. Mm, but yeah. I mean, any scene with Darth Vader on that bridge in that film is just my. You know, my favorite. You know, my favorite actual moment of that movie is hit me. They take. They essentially do a takeoff on the opening shot of the first film. Oh. They first show the Star Destroyers, and they show you the star, and you remember the Star Destroyer being that thing that just went forever. Yep, yep. In that first shot of episode four, it just goes and goes and goes. So they show you the Star Destroyer. Hey, remember this giant Star Destroyer? Sure. And all of a sudden, something overshadows it. Mm. I mean, literally, you see a shadow being cast on it. Yeah. And then brilliant. you see shadows being cast all over the place. And then they cut to the executor, just massive. Uh, mm. You know, you thought the Star Destroyer was overwhelmingly huge. Now look at this that dwarfs them. And I just thought that was one of the great setups ah, that I've ever seen. This is a great shot. I I I love yeah. that. I you know I don't know that this is a favorite moment because Dan already kind of hit my personal favorites, but I think as I look back at Empire at Forty, I go back and I think of and I still to this day remember the first time I watched these movies because in my family it was a bit of a tradition amongst my older siblings. So by the time that we were allowed to watch it, there's this buildup, there's this anticipation. It wasn't like I could barely remember seeing it. So I clearly remember the first time I watched Empire at the um, moment where, where <laughs> and it's, it's a classic, but Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian, uh, walks down the, the, the walkway, the platform on Cloud City to mm-hmm. greet Han and Leia, and he's like, well, hello, what have we here? Uh, and just oh. every, that was the start of every Lando dialogue. My sister, Cindy, and my dad just <laughs> busting out laughing. You look absolutely beautiful. Like that one, uproarous laughter. Okay. I, I thought you were going for why you slimy, no good, double-crossing nope. swindler. It was it was Not his flirting. Point. It was Lando's flirting. It was it's a cla- it's classic. And I like Oh, it is. There's like oh, there is a scene I and I remember because this was a little racy for 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 me the first time I watched it like where he just literally just checks out Leia. It's woefully, listen, inappropriate. Oh, yeah. Inappropriate. Call out better social standards <laughs> in Cloud City. Uh, he's listen, <laughs> not a gentleman, but he there's that no. moment on Cloud City. He's totally checking Leia out, and <laughs> I just remember yes. my, my sister just laughing at the sheer inappropriateness, but at the same time, you know, lovable scoundrel motif. Um, and 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 it really Billy D. Williams' character is a triumph. Like Lando, he he. I mean, every character has an arc, but even Lando, who could just be the suave you know, smuggler ex-friend of, of Han who creates tension because he flirts with Leia. But there's more to him. Like, he is a businessman. He has kind of turned his life around and built up something for himself here. And all that gets taken away from him. And even then, he does the right thing in the end um, to try to save yeah. Han. There's still time to save Han! Think, think about the fact that when he comes out there, walks down that platform and is laying it on thick, all the time he knows what's up. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything he's doing, essentially, yes, it's an act, but it's really an act because uh, he he knows that Bader's waiting behind the curtain. Mm. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah. It's, it's uh, again, another one of those, just there's a layer after layer after layer to this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, Empire, it is, it is my, my favorite Star Wars film. Uh, and they've changed over the years, but it's, it's com- settled comfortably in my number one spot, uh, as of a couple years ago. Um, as, as I've, uh, as I've rewatched the movies over and over again, it's one that steadily climbed. Um, it, it and a new hope honestly those two movies um i were definitely the most underappreciated by me the first time i watched them that have grown the most over time um the original and empire um for sure but man i like i say i wish we could talk about it for the whole steps sh- into a larger world exactly i wish yes. um i wish i i wish we had time for a super long show tonight but i i sadly and limited on my schedule. It's my fault, folks. That I wish we could well, really give all of this the time that that it deserves. But um, I want to. I've got a little bit of a tribute to George Lucas that we're going to have to do next week. But I want to mention it here, uh, uh, Scott. You provided some great audio of uh, his wife, uh, Melody Hobson, talking about yes. uh, graduation season. And um, I'd recently gone back and listened to the speech that he gives. Uh, at like the Academy of Achievement or something like that, I think it was. And he just kind of chronicles his creative path. And it's something that I uh, think is, is good to revisit um, in a time that he's no longer involved with Star Wars and kind of a reminder of where it all came from. So I was just going to say, before we do, the clips that I sent you from Melody Hobson are from a, uh, an iHeartRadio podcast that's out. Uh, I believe it's called Graduation. Mm-hmm. I should know this. Yes, yes. That's, uh, what's, well, that's what you texted me, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's a whole series of different speeches from people. But uh, we we produced our own local graduation because the seniors didn't get a graduation. Yeah. So we we made a produced with all the schools in the area. We got all their seniors, and we read their names out, and we played pomp and circumstance. And we had three count them three graduation speeches, and I pulled hers out because because uh, she's George Lucas' wife, but also I think she has an impressive story to tell. And uh, a couple of times where she mentioned, you know, George Lucas once said, which I thought was great. Uh, and so I, I thought you would find those. Yeah, relevant. yeah. No, we appreciate it, man, okay. uh, for sure. Yeah. And we'll sorry uh, about that. Didn't no, jump in like that. No, you're good. Uh, and we'll, and with that, we'll, uh, we'll consider that a tease for next week, and then we will okay. hit the news. We have something to report. Come closer. I have good news. Data brought to us by the Botham spies. We can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. All right, guys. It's all Mandalorian. Spoiler alert. There's everything. Listen, dude. I don't know who's leaking what to who but everybody's talking mandalorian um well that's because everybody's been cast in the mandalorian well but they finished filming you would think <laughs> they would have leaked before like while they were filming or something but no it's like yeah. right after they wrapped this is when everything is 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 hitting the first thing this is what happens we go two weeks uh without uh, news on the show and then all the news happens at least at least mandalorian wise um but uh here timuera morrison that's how you pronounce about timuera if you don't know, I didn't know that. The only reason I know that is because uh, he... I could describe what happened, or Scott, I could just let you hear it. Okay. Georgia. Ooh. Georgia. 
no peace I find It's just an old sweet song Keeps Georgia on my mind That's Django Fett, Tim Wooder Morrison Signing off with a little Georgia <laughs> I, was, I was saving that for the end of the show And I was like, okay, I'm just playing it Oof. Because I knew you'd appreciate it. That is really weird. It is, isn't it? Well, also, like, it probably sounds better if I had left the naked audio, but that's, like, me messing with it and trying to put a backtrack on it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's it was t- It was in a different key. I had to match it. It's a whole yeah. Adobe di- Audition project. It's another story for another time. Yeah. There he is, Django Fett's in The Mandalorian. According to The Hollywood Reporter, um, Tim Weta Morrison is returning to the Star Wars universe to play Boba Fett. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. To quote to quote Robot Chicken, back from the dead. Bleep. I had to self I had to self censor. <laughs> Very nice. If you've never seen the Robot Chicken Boba Fett skits, they're the best thing ever. Yeah. Um but uh but yeah, uh, the actor who played the played the famed bounty hunter's father in the 2002's Attack of the Clones. Um, is set to appear in season two of the Disney Plus Star Wars series. Sources say. Just left that for a second. Sources say uh, that uh, Morrison will play Boba Fett, the famed bounty hunter who first appeared, of course, in The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, and then some needless copy to fill their word requirement. And then Boba <laughs> Fett. <laughs> nope, that, that's wait, not that's, untrue. That's also filling word requirement. Here we go. Um, Attack of the Clones, one of the storylines revolved around the discovery of the secret army of clones. The clones were copies of Jango. We know all this. Of course, Daniel Logan playing the young Boba Fett. But as we know, the template for the older Boba Fett, uh, genetic template, Jango Fett, is Tamora Morrison. Who, by the way, has had a bit of a resurgence of a career uh, in recent years. Um, there was a good, I re- tell. so that little audio clip was from our interview with him in 2011 at Dragon Con. It's the first year we ever went. So it's, it's been a while. And, and he had some like TV appearances here and there and some local New Zealand stuff. But I'll, I'll never forget. We interviewed him. We did a nice little 10 minute segment and unprompted did a little Georgia tribute right at the end of the interview. Hence why I clipped that audio out. But I remember in the post uh, interview conversation we were having with him, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm just out here looking at, uh, looking at talking to my agent out in Hollywood and, and doing one of these conventions and signings and, and hoping they can get a, a few more, uh, a few more jobs out here. You know, it's, uh, it's the, you know, it's the acting careers so is getting older now. It's time to find some new roles for me. That's how he, that's how, anyway, so I'll stop. But it, that's what he said. <laughs> that's exactly. That's how he talks, too. I don't think... I think my impression, if I may review myself, is somewhat accurate, at least. But, that, wow. it, but he was like... He literally was talking about... Yeah, his, he'd been... He'd, always, he'd played sort of the action hero in American and New Zealand television, but he'd wanted to, like, expand. You know, he's getting up there uh, in years, and uh, so he wasn't going to be playing exa- a bounty hunter. Well, of course, now look at him. But, but is, as since, he'd, he'd done like some voiceover roles and some stuff for Disney. He, uh, he played in, he was an Aquaman in one of the, he was one of the, I forget, I, I, listen, I forget the character. I forgot the whole movie, let's be honest. But he was in Aquaman. <laughs> and then, of course, he was in uh, Moana. He was uh, the voice of her dad, Moana's dad. So he, he's, worked, he's had a bit of a, 
a resurgence in, in mainstream Hollywood movies. So the fact that they would pick him up if they're bringing back the character of Boba Fett or Jango Fett or Captain Rex or what have you, there's a ton of rumors. It doesn't surprise me that his career has um, had enough of a resurgence to where, yeah, we'll put it this way, the, the brass at Disney, a casting agent would be more willing to hire him than say someone who hasn't actually been a working actor other than going to bit roles or conventions. Um, so I, I think that actually has helped propel him back into star Wars as now the Hollywood reporter has him. Now um, the, the thing that I read today was that, uh, I guess Timothy Oliphant is going to play Cobb Vanth. That's the weird and the, thing. And the, this just and came out. He's going to yeah. have Boba Fett's armor. That, and that's the, it, this is also Hollywood reporter. Um, the justified actor will uh, be in the show's second season, but I'm trying. The, the, that's where this news broke. I don't know if that was the source of 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 his character name. <sighs> Oliphant. He's like, yeah. The actor gained. He played the sheriff in Deadwood. Um, no, the Hollywood Reporter piece doesn't actually reference who he might be playing scott so what what was no. the what was the what was the rumor you heard because they basically just announced that he uh, was cast uh yeah i got den of geeks got him playing cobb vanth uh slash film i think has him playing cobb vanth okay so the movie and blogs I, are guess, making the rounds yeah yeah and i and i guess he he got uh in the aftermath books he winds up with armor right uh you're asking me <laughs> Uh, I Sorry. would not know. What, what uh, was I thinking? Uh, yeah, no, no, nope, I would uh, not trivia. I would know, but it is like he's a pretty well-established actor. Like, and then the other rumor that broke the other week was was Katie Sackhoff to play live action. This is slash film that had the source, yeah. so it's not like a super as reliable. We'll say a B minus reliability rating, if I may, from a, mm. a slash film. But like, uh, but like Hollywood Reporter, Variety, those are pretty solid, usually. Uh, I mean, they've been wrong before, but uh, uh, according, but she even was hinting at it kind of strongly. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So it, I would she's very much media believe that. Hinting at it, yeah. And again, she's someone whose career's kind of resurged as she's now had starring in her the title star in a new Netflix series um, uh, that that she's in. So um, yeah, I, it makes kind of sense that she's sort of at a. I listen. Hollywood's risk averse. They they like to pick people who are on an upward tick. They don't like to take risks. So that's why they do things like, uh, I don't know, bring Boba Fett into your series or cast well-known actors like Timothy Oliphant or Katie Sackhoff or hire directors like Robert Rodriguez or Peyton Reed. So that's now, the thing. now they're bringing Katie Sackhoff in to play Bo-Katan, right? Yes, that's that's what according to Slash Film. Yes, and she is t- playing is her that character. Gonna- is that going to set off, though? Because a lot of people, I think, are are bothered. A lot of fans of the very, very, very wonderful, sweet Ashley Eckstein are kind of perturbed that she didn't get the opportunity to play uh, Ahsoka in live action. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they got Bo-Katan's voice to play her, is, do you think that's going to bother people and say, well, why couldn't we have Ashley Eckstein? Oh yeah, uh, for sure, and, and not just because yeah. because Ashley Eckstein has become a a pillar of the Star Wars community. Um, oh yeah, she has, and and for that reason alone, you can see that in in that sense, she's earned that. Um, I I I very I'm always very hesitant to criticize 
creative decision makings in a project I haven't seen yet. So if there's if there's something about someone that they're casting or a writer they're hiring or a director they're hiring, uh, I I'm always I always hate it when I see people prejudge that person based off of any of their physical attributes or honestly their creative history because someone's creative history is is a record but there are plenty of people who've had a really rough time of uh, a career that then have an incredible creative work so i don't know i i I always get a little hesitant there yeah well, I, I would also just point to the fact that song and dance—you know, six foot something song and dance and uh, playing Wolverine, Hugh Jackman. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he's a marvelous Wolverine. He is known for Wolverine. He will always be Wolverine. Um, but his initial descriptions and his previous roles probably don't say he's Wolverine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Broadway guy. And if you judged him from the outset, yeah, yeah, he's a song and dance guy, and he's and he's too tall to be Wolverine. Yeah, uh, and all of a sudden he is Wolverine. Period. Yeah, that's true. So, but I think I can certainly understand um, a frustration there and an inconsistency. But it very well may just be a, a specific uh, creative way they're approaching the story. Um, and if it ends yeah. up like if it's I don't know if the rumors about Rosario Dawson are true and she's a terrible Ahsoka Tano and it kind of is a. Uh, a, bl- a bad mark on on the legacy of that character i'll be the first in line to be upset by that but we don't yeah, we don't even don't know if she, we don't even know if she's way. really going to be in it much less if it's going to be good or bad um so yeah. i that that's where i get a little hesitant there but that's the literally that's the roundup that's huh, quite literally every single <laughs> rumor was all mandalorian all the time yeah This is the Star Wars Report Podcast, and I thought they smelled bad on the outside. You could say that. Well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to have to wrap up this episode of the Star Wars Report I'm not going anywhere. I'm sticking around, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just keep going, Scott. I know. I'm just going to... You can go. I will say this: If you're interested, um, I've got. I had to schedule back-to-back recordings this week. That's why full transparency. My my podcasting attention has been divided. Um, however, uh, if you are interested, I mean, check out Mouse and Castle. Me and Aaron are about to go at it and talk a little bit about uh, some of the reopening plans that are happening right now with the Disney parks. So, if you're a Disney nerd and you want to hear the latest and greatest and uh, our opinions on the latest and greatest uh, of uh, the Walt Disney World reopenings. Uh, uh, check out Mass and Castle. We're going to go there next. But hey, also, if you're interested in more podcasting, uh, make sure you go over to patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. We've been uh, going ham, honestly, releasing. I have two more, two more commentaries I owe you guys that I'm going to be recording here this next week uh, to round out all of our Season 7 Clone Wars commentary se- series, which is available at every level. You can just pledge a dollar, get access. Uh, but also, the uh, most recent Bothan High Council roundtable. Uh, me and a bunch of you guys on Patreon talking all things Star Wars. Uh, is a really fun roundtable discussion, and that's available as a special Rogue Transmissions bonus podcast. We have over 100 of them, all at patreon.com slash star wars report so you can check out some of the bonus content we've got there and support the show directly and we really do appreciate you guys who have 
uh, as well. And join our little Facebook chat. We uh, are often in there throughout the week, too. Uh, that's available to you guys who support us at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Uh, you can also stay in touch with us between shows. Of course, a great way to do that is uh, social media, twitter.com slash Star Wars Report, facebook.com slash Star Wars Report. And uh, you can follow uh, me. I'm on social media at the Riley Guy, R I L E Y. Instagram and Twitter are the places to be for me. Uh, you can follow me there and catch all kinds of pictures of. Uh, well, actually, I, I owe some pictures. Uh, we've got the back catalog from the the COVID wedding mentioned at the top of the show. There are some Star Wars <laughs> Easter eggs that I'm going to post on my Instagram. Um, uh, it may have Excellent. may or may not have something to do with the groom's cake. Uh, so <laughs> that my mom did. There's a pretty sweet Star Wars reference there. So I'll be posting a picture there. Uh, enough of our plugs, uh, Mr. Scott Rife, and tell the people where they can find you. Well, when I'm not releasing videos that make the entire world explode, <laughs> I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I would have, <laughs> if not for the events of the last couple of weeks that I accidentally said them. I didn't accidentally set them in motion. Um, uh, I would be probably bragging about the latest episode of my Star Wars story, but I'm behind <laughs> on getting that episode out because things have conspired against me. Mm. Um, but when the episode comes out, it will feature the absolutely wonderful, absolutely generous, absolutely talented Adam Bray Aww. telling his Star Wars story. It's a great, it's a great story. Ah, I love that. I love that. He's such a great dude. I can't wait to hear it. I know he really is. Uh, I can't wait to actually get a chance to to listen to it. So make sure you and by check the way, it out. You know, you know, the man has lost hundred and seventy five pounds. It's, a, it's absurd. It is. It is absolutely <laughs> absurd. Um, and if you want to hear me in twenty fifteen, <laughs> you can also hear. I'm on episode fourteen. If you uh, That's sus- right. subscribe to that old uh, RSS feed, my Star Wars story. So good times. Ah, yep. that'd be that's a that's a flashback in time. Was this pre? Mm-hmm. This is pre. Was this pre? Yeah, pre Disney, pre Disney announcement, Riley. So no, no, fifteen. No, wait. No, the, tw- no, I Disney announcement was twenty twelve. I'm I'm going crazy, man. I'm going crazy. I'm ca- <laughs> I gotta call it. I'm cutting it off. I'm cutting myself off, guys. Uh, October thirtieth, twenty twelve. Until next time, you guys know the drill. May the force be with you, and remember. Many Bothans died to bring you this podcast. Got a little ham radio there. To bring you this podcast. News, weather, and traffic on the five. The industrial sector is going to see an increase in smog in the evening hours. It looks like a slight traffic back up as we hit the five o'clock news hour. Holonet news. It's a thing. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, all right. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting Mouse and Castle episode. <laughs> yeah, well. Hey, no, I watched video of uh, Shanghai. I saw it in action. Uh, Aaron's been texting me updates from Shanghai and uh, downtown Disney. Oh, I shouldn't say. I should yeah, Disney I saw Springs. One.